Hello, and welcome to Sundays at Coastal. This week, Pastor Andy preaches a sermon from Ephesians chapter 3, titled, Loved by God. The world is echoing with cries of anguish at this moment. People everywhere yearn for love. They are wounded, shattered, often feeling isolated, and desperately seeking love. In our diverse world, we each carry our own stories of brokenness, but together we can mend one another with love. It's all about Jesus and his boundless love. His love is a love that makes sacrifices, lends a listening ear, and stands by, not to fix, but to support. Jesus' love conquers darkness with light. So let's pause for a moment and open our hearts to the immense love that God has for each of us, right here and right now. What am I doing? I'm preaching. I love it that God just blew the sermon right off the thing, and he's just like, but I'm not going to do what a lot of pastors do, which says, you know, let me just talk off the cuff for the next two hours because I didn't prepare anything. I actually wrote stuff down, and I'm, we're going to do that today. Um, so if you are new or visiting with us this morning, welcome. Uh, we do, uh, our church is led by a vision, and our vision comes from Uh, when Jesus stood in his hometown church and opened up the scroll of Isaiah, and he said, the spirit of the Lord is on me too, and and has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to set the captives free, to give sight to the blind. And and that, that scripture from Isaiah 61 is our heart as a church. God's spirit is on us right now to do the same thing, and we're doing it. And so we believe three things as a church. Number one, there's always hope beyond our brokenness, always. And we spend our money here as a church, right? We support people who are struggling. You guys have given so much money away to people who are sitting next to you so that their medical bills can get paid and they can get the dental work that they can't afford to do and that they can pay the rent or the deposit on the place that, that they're desperate for, but they just don't have enough money to... Like, you guys are doing that. I praise God for you. But there's also, in your own hearts, there's always hope beyond our brokenness. Always. Nobody here sits disqualified from God's love. Grace is for the weak, and praise God I'm weak. (laughs) And second, we're called to trust in our risen Savior. And so I trust God when I give Him all of my life, my time, my heart, my energy, my resources, my finances, in faith. I don't know how it's going to work out, but God is so good. He's No one has ever loved us like Jesus. His faithful hand has held us all the way. Amen? Amen. And then finally, we get to bring restoration. So Ben, who's working the camera right now, gets to bring restoration, you know, to our church. And Ben and Carolyn, what, you guys have been coming for a couple months now, right? Do do you have seminary degrees, right? (laughs) Strung together like 20 consecutive perfect days with no sin? No. Okay, so they're all like us. So this is the whole point of change for a dollar. You too can make a difference in someone's life. And the, whole, the neatest thing about change for a dollar and all the ways that we bring restoration into our community, whether it's providing meals for, uh, with our friends in Divino Salvador for our migrant farm workers or any of the dozen other ways that we make a difference is that you right now can make a difference 
for God's kingdom right where you are. And so that's what we believe as a church, and each one of these beliefs has a choice that we make with it. And so we all say this together every week, and it's a choice we're choosing again, just like we do every day. So would you please, if you want to, choose with me, and you can say this out loud with me. And if you're at home, scream it so those who are waking up um, will get out of bed. Are you ready? Today, I choose to be changed by Jesus. I choose to seek Jesus first. And I choose to join Jesus in his resurrection work. Amen? Amen. Hey, so can I have permission to speak to your heart of hearts? Would that be okay? So the heart of, of today's message is really simple. Paul prays for his people that they would be anchored in and experience Jesus' incredible love for them. And I have spent 46 years of of my life wanting to experience the love of Jesus. And sometimes I choose to do so, and sometimes I don't. And sometimes I know why I don't want to to do that, to experience God's love, because I'd rather have something else. But a lot of times I don't understand why I make that choice. And my entire job, my calling... Like, do you know that you have staff? You know that, right? As a part of this church, you can say, let me get my staff on that, (laughs) right? Hold on, I'm just going to call my staff and figure out what's happening here, right? That's it. You know this is your building, right? This isn't my building. This is your building. I can't even tell you how many people have spent the night in this church that are part of this church because they needed a place to stay. You know, this is your building, right? I, I, so I'm here. This place is here for you to help you experience and understand God's love for you. That's my whole job. And so today I'm probably going to cry, okay, because this, this prayer that Paul prays is one that I'm desperate for in my own life. And one that I'm desperate for, for you. One that I'm grateful that God is answering in my own life. One that I'm grateful that God is answering for you. So if you feel loved by God, like when you sang worship this morning, if you felt like, man, I am just awash in God's love today, then I would ask for you to listen to today's sermon for the sake of people who are sitting next to you that don't feel God's love even though they desperately want to. And if you don't feel loved by God, then I pray that today would be a day of breakthrough. I pray that today would be a a day of joy for you, a day where your inner being, your soul, your heart of hearts would be strengthened and that your faith would grow. So can I say a prayer for us real quick? So Jesus, renew our armor. And again, we just bind up and silence everything opposed to Christ that's here now by the blood of Jesus. And we cast the enemy out of, off of us and out of this place. Do you guys agree? Not today, devil. Jesus, bring your spirit here. Fill us and renew us and restore us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay. 
So I don't want to leave anybody behind, so let me catch you up in the book of Ephesians if you've, if you've just joined us recently. Number one, Ephesians chapter one. If you read Ephesians chapter one, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, you are chosen, you are loved, you're forgiven, you're redeemed, you're adored. You have a destiny and a destination which God has planned for you and is working out in his time all because Jesus loves you and wants you and saves you at his expense. That's Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 2. You didn't get all this because you were good enough. All of us are in the same boat, lost, dead. All of us. And the mercy of God saves us. That's us not getting what we do deserve. And who gets it? What we do deserve? All that we've earned to... That, that, all that we've done that would necessitate or... or or earn condemnation, Jesus takes it all. He takes it all for us as our substitute. It's all grace all the time. Why? Because God wants to draw us near, to bless us now and for all eternity. It's by grace we've been saved. If we're going to boast in anything on this earth and when we get to heaven, it ain't going to be me. It's going to be Jesus. That's why we worship. Right? To give him honor and praise and remind ourselves it is by grace we've been saved all the time. Amen? Amen. Jesus is our perfecter, our savior, our burden bearer, our righteousness, our enough. Jesus is our life and our hope and our source of strength and love. And thus, Paul starts today's passage with his final word on our unity in Christ. There's no more dividing walls. There's no more barriers. There's no more nothing between us, right? We're not a part of a church where we go, well, at least I'm better than them. Ha! Right? Are you kidding me? Right? All of y'all are hot messes, right? And I am, I am the clown car that holds all of your... All of your I feel like I'm the pastor where all my ish is yours, right? But you're like, Andy, I'm struggling. I'm like, me too. Andy, I don't know what's happening. I don't either. Andy, I'm so broken here. Are you serious? I'm me as well, right? So, yeah, that's me. So there's no dividing wall, right? I don't care who's a Giants fan or a Dodgers fan. I don't care who's a... 49ers fan or a Rams fan, right? Or hey, 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 right? It don't matter. There's nothing that separates us. Young, old, rich, poor, addicted, not, whatever. All of us are in the same boat. We are so loved by God. And so Paul, Paul then says in verse 14, you want to read this with me? Wait, just real slow. For this reason. Paul, the murderer of people who followed the Savior that he was blind to see. Paul, redeemed by grace. Paul, just broken. I didn't need that. Broken, but put back together by God's kindness. Paul 
says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. From whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Why does he say that? Why does, why does, every, why does Paul say that? Because my last name is not the same as your last name, right? My last name is Rock, right? Chris Rock is my older brother. And yes, I am related to the Rock. It's not true. Yeah, twins, twins separated at birth. Um, Rock is an Irish name. I don't need that either. Uh, Rock is an Irish name. Uh, my my great 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 grandfather emigrated from from Cork, Ireland, which is in the southwest of Ireland. No, it's not where they make corks. Uh, and they emigrated here to Duluth, Minnesota. Uh, in fact, they were one of the three fam founding families of Duluth, Minnesota. Um, and so when I lived in Ireland, I got to go to County Cork, and I learned about my family's history. And I learned that, um, that you know, in Ireland, there's a lot of rocks in the ground. And the way that they would build fences is that they would dig up the rocks from the ground and build fences so that they could plant the potatoes, which would later then be blighted and starve, and then they would move to New York, right? Uh, but those same rocks built their houses. Those same rocks also marked the boundaries of their towns. And so the Rock family name comes from the family that lives at the Rock at the border of the town. Why did the family live at the border of the town? It's because they were so crazy, obnoxious, belligerently drunk That they were then asked to not leave but not stay. <laughs> so, so my family's name isn't like, oh, strong, right? It's I'm cast out, but not all the way. I'm just asked to live at the border of the town. Definitely not welcomed in. Sort of in that nowhere space. Those are the rocks. My last name is not me, though. That's not my identity. I'm God's beloved child. I'm the bearer of his image. I'm the one that Jesus has saved. I'm a father and a husband and a lover and a warrior and a pastor. I belong to my heavenly father, and he will never leave me. Now, Paul's story is a little bit different. He made a name for himself by being the best pastor of all the pastors. He was the rabbi of rabbis. He was more zealous for God, more dedicated to God than anybody else. In fact, anybody that he thought would besmirch or soil or diminish God's holiness or his character, he said, sign me up to wreck their lives, right? I'm going to purify all of the sin from the church. And then Paul met Jesus on his way to do his job to, to wreck Christians in Syria's and, and Syria, and everything changed. Paul now understands the grace of God, that God's love is for the undeserving, that God's grace is for the weak, that God's mercy is for the blinded, the stubborn, us rebels who have no chance. Yep. 
That's us. Amen? Amen? So Paul, humbled into the dust, falling on his knees, knowing that his identity and his worth is in the name that his Father in heaven gives him by sheer grace, he prays. And this is what he prays for us. Read with me. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. What the heck is an inner being? It's our soul. It's our heart of hearts. Those two are synonyms. Our our heart of hearts, our soul, same thing. Why does our soul need strengthening? Why does our heart need strengthening? Why? Because there's a battle for your heart. There's a battle for your soul. The enemy of this world wants it dead. Jesus wants your heart and soul alive. Alive. We are glorious, powerful, dangerous, beautiful, a wrecking ball to evil. We're the people that go into hell and bring out the captives to set them free. That's what we do, baby. And you think, wait a minute, I'm not breaking into anyone's hell. Yes, you are. Are you kidding me? Every moment you love, every moment you encourage, every moment you pray, every moment you say, I don't feel like I'm qualified to give out change for a dollar, but I'll do it anyways. This, is, this church is built on story after story after story of the simple little things that you do that make all the difference in the world. Our souls are infinitely valuable, but they don't cost all that much. What do I mean by that? It's that $50 gift. It's that $10 coffee. It's that small little thing that we give that turns the tide in someone's life. It's like, are you kidding me? What is it, change for a dollar? Somebody gets 800 bucks and they're like, God's real. For $800, are you kidding? Are you kidding? The infinite worth that you and I have as God's beloved child and we could just like, Rescue someone from hell from eight, for 800 bucks? What? <laughs> and this is what we do week after week after week after week. What does the enemy want? He wants your heart dead. He wants your soul dead. He wants you diminished. He wants you to feel like, I can't make a difference. My prayers don't really work. This doesn't make any sense. I'm no good. God doesn't want me. God doesn't love me. I'm too far gone. I can't be redeemed. These prayers are not changing anything. That's what the enemy wants. He wants you off the field, on the sidelines, right? He doesn't want you engaged. He doesn't want you giving anything in your life because he knows the moment that you do, you are glorious. Why does Paul want our inner being strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit? Because a strong heart, a strong soul can see the battle raging around you. Let me help you understand. Uh, Does anybody have feelings? I've never had a feeling in my life. Does anybody have thoughts? Okay. Feelings and thoughts are a part of you, but they are not you. Does that make sense? When you have a feeling, you can observe it. The observer is not the observed. 
Make sense? The observer is not the observed. This is why Paul writes to the church in Philippi, take every thought captive, right? Why is this important to understand? Because what kills and weakens our heart and takes us out of the God's kingdom work and into numbness and lies and, and, and the sidelines are lies that, about who we are and who God is, about whose we are and what makes us significant or worthy. My inner being is weakened when I carry around the lie that I'm not enough or I'll just contaminate everyone around me. My inner being is emaciated when I hold on to the lie that I'm not loved or that I'm worthless or that I have this endless amount of work to prove that I am enough or worthy to receive love. My inner being starves when I believe and then choose to find my joy or significance or comfort in anything opposed to Jesus or anything other than Jesus, right? My inner being is weakened by those things. Now, I'm going to talk more about this later, but I want you to understand the concept that you need to have the strength. Paul's praying for us that the Holy Spirit would give us the strength in our soul, in our heart of hearts, to create enough space to understand that I am not these lies. Can't even tell you how many times I've prayed for you guys. Debbie and I have prayed for people on the in the worship retreat, and people have said they've walked in the worship or the prayer retreat, and they've said, you know, I'm just this way. I'm just angry. That's who I am. I'm just stuck. That's who I am. I'm just. You know, I'll never be enough. You know, it's like a, I'm always going to be enslaved to this thing. It's just who I am. Hogwash. No. That's not you. You are a beloved, free, gloriously forgiven, forever redeemed, adopted, chosen, beloved son and daughter of the king. Come on now. Now, understand that there's space between you, your soul, your heart of hearts, and emotions and thoughts allows you the ability to choose. You're not defined by your habits, but by your heavenly Father. Someone say amen. amen. Your identity is not in your wounds or what has happened to you or your successes, but in the one who bore your wounds and succeeded for you. Someone say amen. amen. I'm preaching now. You are a child of God, beloved. You're his most beautiful creation, his masterpiece. Amen? Amen? So Paul prays that our inner being would be strengthened by the Holy Spirit's power of, from God's incredible riches of love for you. For the purpose of. Why? Why, do, why does Paul want our inner being strengthened? Why? Ready? Here it is. Read this with me. Right? Come on now. Shout it out. Here it is. Ready? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Pow! What is Paul praying? That you'd be strengthened by the Holy Spirit in your heart of hearts, in your soul, in your inner being, so that Jesus would dwell there. Huh. Let's talk about architecture for a moment. That means that our hearts are a place where something or someone can dwell. Hmm. Well, what's something else that would dwell there instead of Jesus? Hmm. Now, we live in a strange Christian culture in which we've somehow assumed that asking Jesus into our hearts is a one-time event that happens either at summer camp 
or when we're so busted and up and broken that we have no other alternative but to throw out a Hail Mary, right? And we say, God, please forgive me for my sins. And Billy Graham taught us how to pray that. So we say, Jesus, come in, you know, and Bill Bright, Campus Crusade. I, Jesus, sit on the throne of my heart. Here's the four spiritual laws, whatever, how, how, whatever, whatever way you got in the door here, right? Whatever your, 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 whatever your, whatever campus ministry or girlfriend, whoever, whoever saved you, right? Because like every dude in this church is here because they thought a girl was cute at church, right? Uh, so however you got saved, you need to understand something, right? Number one, salvation, next slide, salvation happens the moment I believe and invite Jesus into my heart. We are forever saved, forever forgiven, forever his. Let's go. No matter how you got in the door, you're here. Just like Zeddy said when he led worship, right? We have the moment we invite Jesus in, he'd never gone. He's faithful to us, Right? Yes? yes? Great. <laughs> then the hard work begins of understanding and removing all the things that dwell in my heart of hearts that's killing me, that Jesus doesn't want there. That's that old-timey word called sanctification. So I discover all the time that I'm not trusting Jesus. Don't you? Right? That's why your spouse keeps on yelling at you. <laughs> Right? That's why you keep on struggling with that one thing. Right? That's, that's, that's what keeps on wrecking you. That's where you, a habit that you go back to over and over and over again that doesn't satisfy. That strategy and conflict that's not working. Right? How you speak to yourself is actually how you speak to other people. You can only give away what you have. So what am I discovering? I'm discovering that something else, some other strategy, some lie, some wound, some heartache is living in my heart of hearts, and I'm operating from that place. And so Paul's prayer is that we would be strengthened so that we would invite Jesus in to displace and push out anything else. Now, the enemy wants me focused on me saving me. That's called sin. That's all sin is. It's just me saving me. It's me saving me with anything and any strategy and anyone, right? Uh, I love uh, Martin Luther, the German reformer, 1500s. When he translated sin from Latin into German, his translation was sin is navel-gazing. <laughs> It's just me focused on me. Maybe I'll bring my navel up, right? <laughs> it's me focused on me all the time, right? Listen, the enemy doesn't want people I love to dwell in my heart so that I would sacrifice and love them. The, people, the enemy wants people I hate dwelling in my heart so that I would hold on to my resentment. The enemy doesn't want... Jesus dwelling in my heart so that my posture isn't this, but this. My hands aren't like this, but like this. 
Jesus wants to dwell in my heart of hearts to give me life. He wants to give me his power, his healing, his wisdom. Is a river that flows through me so that I could give it away. So that we would live lives of incredible significance wherever we are, however old we are, however much we have. It doesn't matter how much or little that we have. You can make a profound difference. <coughs> there is a battle for your heart. Bible talks about your heart more than any other subject in the Bible. Hell, salvation, money, sex, all of it. Battle for your heart is the number one topic of the Bible. So Paul prays our inner beings would be strengthened so that we'd have faith to have Jesus dwell in our hearts. Now, for years, I thought that I was doing this because I worked at a church. And so I assumed that being in the church meant that God dwelled in my heart. But being in the church doesn't mean that any more than being in your garage means you're a car. <laughs> now, that perspective changed the day that I met uh, Debbie, our minister of Razzle Dazzle, and her husband, Dave. And uh, when we became friends with them, uh, it was an amazing conversation, an amazing uh, week together where... Uh, I, I tell you the story more later, but basically I was a speaker at a camp and Debbie was so thoroughly unimpressed with me that um, uh, she slept in because, you know, I, didn't, I wasn't saying much of anything that was worth listening to, that's for sure, right? But I was like hounding her, persisting her, and then and like, hey, 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 you know, like, I want to get to know you more and Dave more and, and uh, you know, uh, long story short, Dave told me that Jesus wants me to have a heart that would surrender to God, right? Which I never really understood. I thought that I had done that when eight, when I prayed with Bumblebee, my camp counselor, right? I, I, inv- I did. I invited Jesus in my heart. And I'm like, oh, there's more. There's more surrendering. There's more inviting. There's more dwelling that God wants just in that one moment time. And then Debbie helped me see what I had yet to surrender. And so Debbie and I start, we have been doing these prayer retreats for this church. And on Friday, I'm the guinea pig. Um, and we show people what healing looks like. And then, um, and then I get to go first. And, uh, and we talk and we do a lot of talking and just a little bit of praying. But really, Debbie and her skill set allows people to see what's been, what's been dwelling in our heart of hearts and our souls that's emaciating and starving and killing us so that we can say no and then yes to Jesus dwelling there. So in these moments, in these prayer retreats, I began to see, oh, I've had decades of practice asking power and control or performance or pride or self-ambition or anger to live there. Because I thought that these things could do a better job than Jesus of saving me. How's that working out? Not great. See, I'm the clown car of all this, right? Right? Everybody can relate. And through this journey, which you hear about nearly every Sunday, Jesus is dwelling in my heart more and more. And on my best days, I'm not kicking him out anymore in favor of something else, and on my worst days, I go back to that old thinking that it would be better to have that old strategy or that old lie instead. Can anybody relate with me? Yeah. Evidently, I got to land the plane because uh, it's late.
So here's, let's verse 17. Are you ready? So Paul prays this. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. That you'd know it. Here's the truth that I never really understood until these last couple of years. We know it in our relationships with each other. There's a 14-year-old girl. Her name is Stephanie Podgorska is what she looks like. She's on the right. She's Polish. Um, That's her nine-year-old sister on the left. Stephanie and her sister, parents loved them, went to church. They loved Jesus amazing family and both her parents and her all of her extended family was killed in 1939 in the blitzkrieg on poland when the nazis invaded and took over the country and so this is a 14 year old girl and a nine-year-old daughter and 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 they got they got no family or her sister not her daughter her sister and so what stephanie did is that she started trying to make ends meet. She had nowhere to go. She was trapped because the Nazis wouldn't let any of the Polish people leave. And then as the Nazis started rounding up the Jews, of course, she worked at, she had had to work, and the the store that she worked at was a Jewish store. Jewish family ran the store. She lived in in a home. This is Stephanie's home. Next slide. It's still there today in Poland. And what Stephanie did is that she took this family that she worked for and their extended family, half of whom were kids, 15 of them, and, they, and she hid them in the attic for five years. She hid them in the attic when the, when the Nazis were patrolling the street. She hid them in the attic and then worked for them so that they could stay alive. She hid them in the attic and... Even when Nazis says, we need to take over your house and house um, um, troops here. Fifteen Jews living in an attic, children, Nazi troops down below. She saved every single one of them. All 15 of them made it throughout the war. She even married one of them. And it's, there's an amazing book about it. But all, everybody that was saved says this. I was saved by Stephanie's love. You have no idea how significant your acts of love are. And I pray that as you allow people to love you, that you would begin to understand the breadth and the depth and the length and the expanse of God's love for you. And I pray that you would understand that as you love simply, beautifully, even when you've been wrecked, even when you're struggling with grief, even when your heart is broken, even when you're so tired and you don't know where the strength is going to come from next, when you love, when you love that God is moving through you in remarkable ways. So I'm inviting you right now 
to do the thing that I was invited to do, which is close your eyes and just take a breath, take a deep breath, and keep on breathing deep. And Jesus, as we breathe in, we surrender our heart of hearts to you. Do you guys agree? Jesus, as we breathe in, we ask that you'd fill us up with your love. That it wouldn't be a love that we would just know about in our brains, but that we would experience in our souls. God, we've been so wrecked by life. Some of us are in a beautiful spot today, and some of us are just so hurting. We want you to dwell in our hearts, Jesus. Do you guys agree? And so we step out in faith and invite you deeper and deeper in. Come, Lord Jesus, dwell in my heart of hearts. Save me, forgive me, renew me, strengthen me. And all God's people said, I love you so much. I am so grateful for each and every one of you. I praise God for you. Thank you for loving me back to life. Would you stand for the benediction? Lord Jesus, bless and seal all these good things in my friend's heart. I pray against the enemy's plans to rob, steal, or destroy the love that you've poured into them now. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance, that's his delight in you, and give you the peace and the love that surpasses all understanding. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You guys, if you want prayer, come forward. If you don't, grab something to eat and sign up to be a prayer pal. Pastor Andy Rock is the senior pastor of Coastal Community Church. It's located in Grover Beach, California, and serves communities across the Central Coast. Join us online each week on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. We also have two in-person services at 9 a.m. and 1040 a.m. in our sanctuary. Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Farrell Road, Grover Beach, California. For more information, visit our website, www.mycoastal.org. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a great week.